Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast, Almost Here, Around the Corner Technology. Uh, today, I have a very interesting guest, Grégoire Ribaudy uh, from ID Quantique out of Switzerland. Uh, we're going to be talking about a, um, randomness and a couple other uh, quantum computing type issues. Grégoire, how are you doing? Yes, fine. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, if you would, can you uh, introduce viewers or listeners uh, to what ID Quantique does? Yes, so, so ID Quantique is a company uh, based in Switzerland which specializes in applications of quantum technologies in the field of cybersecurity. And the idea basically uh, is to, to use the new potential uh, of quantum physics you know, in IT in order to, to better secure the information of uh, our customers. All right, so let's, you know, it'll, it'll probably be nebulous to a lot of people. I mean, quantum computing itself is, uh, is amazing. What, um, what's probably the main application or two that you guys are working on, and how does it work? So, so I guess the, the main application would be something that we call quantum cryptography. And the idea is to use uh, the, the property of, of quantum physics to ensure the security of communications. Um, and uh, as you as you pointed out, you know quantum physics is is, is a bit uh, esoteric, and everybody doesn't know how it works. So if we were to take a simple image, you know you can think of a communication system as a, a tennis game, where the emitter takes a tennis ball, writes the message, the information that he wants to send on the tennis ball, and then sends the ball across to his partner, and the partner catches the ball and reads the message. And that's a metaphor for any communication system where Basically, the information is transported by some kind of physical medium, the, the tennis ball in this case, but in general, it might be an electrical current or it might be an optical signal uh, in an optical fiber. Uh, there's some kind of uh, physical medium. And what we do at ID Quantique is that we basically replace the tennis ball with a soap bubble. And a soap bubble is a fragile object, so if someone tries to intercept the communication, tries to, to catch the soap bubble, by touch, touching it, they make it burst, and the communication is perturbed, and the emitter and the receiver can detect uh, this interception. And basically, we use, um, of course, we don't use soap bubbles. We use something very fragile, a very fragile uh, uh, physical medium to transport information, which is based on quantum physics. So can you, you know, uh, listeners may be beyond the layperson a bit. Can you go into now, uh, deep in the metaphor, so how does... Uh, how do you message people using quantum physics? What's happening actually physically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so quantum, you know, quantum physics first. Maybe it might be good to just uh, mention, explain a little bit what quantum physics is. And basically, quantum physics is the set of physical theories that describes what happens in the mic microscopic world. You know, uh, atoms, particles. When you work with very small uh, physical systems, basically the laws that govern this, this world are different than the laws that we know uh, in our everyday life. And so, so quantum physics was really developed uh, about 100 uh, years ago to describe what happens in this, um, in this microscopic world. And there are some very, uh, diff very fundamental differences between 
the microscopic world and the uh, and, and the world we live in. One of these differences is that in quantum physics, you cannot measure something without perturbing it. You know, you cannot measure, you cannot look at something without interfering with it. And obviously, that's not something uh, that we're used to because um, in, in our world, if we if we if we do if we look at something or not, it doesn't make a difference. But in quantum physics, by observing something, you modify it, and that's what we use to secure communications. A little bit like what I said about the soap bubble. The idea is that uh, if we if we do communications using quantum physics, the mere fact that someone tries to intercept the communication will there will be a perturbation, and we will be able to detect it. So that's one one uh, feature of, uh, of of what we call quantum cryptography. Uh, another about, different um, quick question: yes. what, what about a man in the middle attack? <coughs> we receive, you know, a quantum encrypted message, and then just repeat the message back out to the final recipient. Yes. So you disturb so, so it this... by receiving it, but then retransmit it. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good, uh, very good uh, question. Basically, uh, the system is a bit more complicated and uh, it's a bit difficult to explain uh, uh, how, how it works. But in general, we can prevent the man-in-the-middle attack because we can ensure that the emitter and the receiver verify that they're talking to each other, that there's no one in the middle. So that the best attack that can be done is just to try to copy the information that is going through without just fully replacing uh, or doing a man-in-the-middle. Okay. So, what, is it robust enough the communication that um, you know that it can be sent and received over large differences and not break down? Yes. Um, yes. And in, in basically, it's it's uh, it's very robust. Uh, the way it's implemented is actually that uh, we we send information in the form of optical pulses in optical fibers. And these, uh, so optical fibers, you know, they're like pipes that carry information in the form of light signal. And uh, what we do basically is we use elementary light pulses, a a pulse with a single photon, a single light particle, which is the, in a sense, the smallest light pulse possible. And um, so so these photons travel uh, and uh, are very robust when they travel in optical fibers. But the only thing is uh, that sometimes they get absorbed. You know, optical fibers are made of glass. They're very transparent, but not perfectly transparent. And so if if the distance becomes too large, not enough of these photons will reach the other end of the fiber. And so there is a limitation in distance with this uh, technology. It works up to about 60 miles in, uh, you know, uh, in terms of commercial products which is enough to cover distances in metropolitan areas, for example. And uh, in in the lab, in academic labs, people have demonstrated that it can work up to three to four hundred miles. And so it's going to improve uh, over time. Oh, wow. How long do you think, or is it even possible for it to work over thousands of miles or uh, over the entire Earth? To work over much longer distances, we'll need a special component, which uh, is called a quantum repeater. And it would be something, some kind of element that would relay the, the photons without measuring them. And this is something possible, uh, but on paper, uh, but still uh, at the level of, of basic research. And so it's a bit hard to say when it's going to work. Uh, 
uh, but in, in principle, it can be built. Now, there's another option okay. which, where people, which people are, are looking at, which is to, instead of using optical fibers, you could use satellites. And you could actually basically remove the optical fiber, use two telescopes, one on a ground station, one on a satellite, and then beam the photons up to, uh, from, the, from the, the, the ground station to the satellite. And if you use, um, if you use a satellite, uh, then the satellite can send the information down on a different place on the Earth. And with this approach, uh, there is um, basically no limitation in distance. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I've heard about cryptography and quantum computing being able to break bird cryptography. Do you want to talk about that? And uh, sure. Is there, you know, there are there uses for quantum physics besides just having its own type of cryptography? What about uh, breaking the current forms? Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, the current form of cryptography is based on mathematics, and it's based on some mathematical problem taking too much time to be to be solved. You know, using uh, com computers, and so the security, the, the codes cannot be broken because you would just need. Uh, to you know, to wait too long uh, for it to be practical, and uh, when I say too long, it can be thousands or even millions of years uh, that that it would take uh, for, for the code to be broken. So, so the security is not absolute security in a sense, but it's based on the fact that there's not enough computing power. But if someone can build a computer that is big enough, then the current codes can be broken. And there's a new type of computer that could have an impact on the security of traditional cryptography, which is a quantum computer. And quantum computer is a novel type of, of computers that uses the laws of quantum physics to process information. And uh, such a computer would be massively parallel, much faster to solve certain problems. And one problem that could be solved much faster is code breaking. And basically, the, the day someone can build a quantum computer, and they probably don't exist yet, uh, at least in the public uh, research, uh, quantum computers do not exist yet. But if someone can build a quantum computer, then all the codes that we're using now on the internet or mobile phones, everything, will be, become vulnerable. And we'll need a new type of, of codes of cryptography uh, to, to remain secure. And one such a code is what I've just explained, this quantum cryptography using the laws of physics to protect information. <coughs> if quantum cryptography is used, will it be as robust and widespread as our current communication systems? Will it take over? Will all communication turn to that method or only very select types? Yeah. Um, so, so quantum cryptography is, is a hardware method. So it requires, you know, hardware, a, a box, an emitter for the signal to be sent, and a receiver for the signal to be detected. And so, because it's a it's a hardware method, it has there's some limitation and there's some cost. And so, the, I think the general view here is that there will be a mix of solutions. One uh, type of solutions, uh, quantum cryptography will, will be used for certain applications where very high security is needed and typically on, on backbones, high security links. And then it will be combined maybe for lower, when lower security is required, maybe for, you know, mobile communications or things like this with some other uh, uh, more traditional cryptography, which may not be as secure, but where nevertheless will, will be secure enough for, for the for the needs. Mm, I see. 
Well, very good. What uh, any other projects that are of interest that you're working on? Yeah, well, there's an, another um, application of quantum physics is actually uh, generating randomness. And, uh, you know, random numbers are very useful. They're, they're used in uh, lots of applications in security, for example, to generate password, to generate uh, encryption keys, or uh, you could think also, also of, of a gambling uh, application and things like this. And in general, computers cannot generate random numbers because computers are basically deterministic. You know, if you run the same program twice, you get the same result uh, every time. And so uh, if, we, if you want to generate random numbers in a computer, you need some kind of physical device to, to produce this randomness. So you could imagine tossing a coin uh, or, or something like this, but obviously that's not very practical. And... Uh, uh, I mentioned earlier that quantum physics is very different from, from classical physics. Uh, and w one of the, the differences is that quantum physics is fundamentally random. In quantum physics, there are, there are experiments, processes, where you, can, you, you, you cannot get the same result deterministically, but you, you'll get a random result every time you, you do it. And so uh, using quantum physics is, is, a, is actually a very good way to generate uh, random numbers. And so that's another of our projects, is to, to build basically quantum random number generators, which um, you know, use this uh, intrinsic randomness of, of quantum physics. And it's, it's uh, something that is in use already, including in some you know, kind of uh, volume applications such as uh, online gaming and gambling and things like this. Well, how random are current systems and and how much more random which is kind of a funny question yeah yeah are, are uh, so, quantum systems be yeah that's so that's a that, that's a very good question uh so right now one of the approaches to do uh, uh random number generation is actually to do to generate random numbers uh which are actually pseudo random so you can have some software that will produce numbers, sequences of numbers, and these numbers, they look, uh, they look random if you look at them, but basically if you run the same program several times, you will get the same, the same numbers. And that's okay in certain applications, but, but it's, it can open up the risk, uh, risk to, to, uh, of security. And, and recently, there was an article in, in the press where a <coughs> gaming system um, a casino system was actually attacked by hackers who had noticed that uh, uh, the, the numbers were actually pseudo-random and not uh, not the same and uh, the same every time. And so uh, you really need some kind of uh, physical device to produce random numbers. Uh, and so so that's where uh, uh, you know our, our uh, products really play a role. Is that uh, it's really impossible to predict the random numbers. How come we can't use natural phenomena, you know, the, the activity of sunspots or, you know, I don't know. So you could, you could, now the question is, you, 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 you could, but in, in general, anything that is uh, classical physics is not, uh, not going to be random. To take an example, you know, you could toss a coin, you could use a, um, a, a coin tossing as, as a source of randomness. Now, right. it may look very random when you, when you play, uh, when you do it on your own, but actually someone uh, with enough computing power, with, enough, uh, you, with a camera measuring how you, 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 you toss the coin could predict the result. And so 
in a sense, processes like, such as coin tossing, they don't uh, produce randomness, they just produce something that is difficult to predict. Difficult, but not impossible. And so what we want to do is to actually offer something that is truly random instead of, of just uh, seemingly random. Well, what makes uh, quantum-based randomness truly random? Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a very important question. We don't know. Uh, it it's basically comes out of the theory. And you know, that's something that physicists had challenges accepting. And you may have heard about Einstein's quote saying that he could not believe that God plays dice with the universe. You know, because he, mm. as a physicist, he was so used to deterministic uh, behavior that he was saying, no, there must be something, you know, randomness must be just a, an artifact of us not knowing uh, the, the system well enough. And if we knew everything, you know, we, would, we should be able to predict uh, the, the outcome of, of the, the measurement. And, and that was the, the, the position of Einstein and, and other physicists. And over the course of the 20th century, physicists have worked on this question and have actually been able to demonstrate that quantum physics is fundamentally random, is intrinsically random. That, you know, it's not a lack of knowledge. It's, it's that just that, you know, it's intrinsically random. And we don't know why. We don't understand. We just know that... Uh, that that is what is predicted and verified by theory. Well, we still have deterministic parts of quantum physics. I mean, there's laws and things like that. But what's, where does the randomness come in, and where is it not? Maybe if you so can the, give the a few examples. Yes, yes. So the the randomness is actually that uh, uh, the, the 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 outcome of measurements in quantum physics is not described as you know exact outcome, but as probabilities. And so to give you an example, a very simple uh, experiment that you could do is you could, you could take a, a, a semi-transparent mirror, you know, kind of a, a, 50, a mirror that, that reflects half of the light and, uh, and uh, lets, lets uh, the other half of the light go through. And um, uh, if you now send one elementary photon, which is a quantum object, on such a mirror, every photon will randomly decide whether to be reflected or transmitted on, on this mirror. And this is, uh, and quantum physics just tells us the probability. It tells us 50% probability, but it doesn't tell us for a particular photon what it will decide to do. And that's an example of, of a random quantum process where uh, you know, the outcome are probabilistic and you cannot predict the exact uh, result. Any other examples of deterministic versus random behavior in the quantum world? Uh, everything is is, is uh, probabilistic in the in the quantum world. So anything, um, any any measurement that you do will have a certain probability uh, uh, of of um, you know. So for example, to give you an, another example, we're used to think of uh, the position of an object as a well-defined uh, element or well-defined property in our world. And actually, in, in quantum physics, an, an object is not at one place. It is in, in, in lots of different places. And when you measure it, it will kind of uh, decide to be in one particular place. And this Actually, it's, it's, this is called the collapse of the of the wave function, and so the decision of where it is is a is a random process. Uh, is, it has a random uh, probability. 
so so really um, uh, in, in quantum physics everything is is defined as probabilities of getting results well if you only have probabilities and uncertainties then how can quantum physics be used in commercial or practical applications well first of all it can be used to produce randomness to produce probabilistic numbers so that's what we've just discussed so that's an obvious application uh, and then uh, then you can, you can have certain arrangements where the probability of getting one outcome is 100%. So you can, you can arrange certain systems to get, you know, it's still a probability, but it's a probability of 100%. And so that's how, so basically you will, depending on the application, you will use this probabilistic behavior, but you will set the probability between zero and 100% depending on the application. Gotcha, okay. Is there a, um, a size or a scale interface at which uh, classical physics breaks down and the quantum world takes over? Is there like a sharply de uh, defined line in terms of size? Or like what happens as you move from one scale to another? You're, you're asking, that's, a, that's a very good question. And it's actually one of the open questions of, uh, of quantum physics. Uh, we don't know, physicists don't know, They've been, they started, of course, to do experiments with the smallest object because it's easier, so to, with you know, electrons, atoms, uh, things like this, and they, they've observed the, 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 the quantum behavior. At the other end of the spectrum, of course, you and me, when we, in our everyday life, we don't observe this uh, randomness and, and these other features of quantum physics. So as you pointed out, there must be a, a, a transition from the quantum world to the classical world. And so what physicists have done is that they've tried to use bigger and bigger systems and, and build quantum experiments using these bigger systems. And so for example, from atoms, then they took uh, ensembles of several atoms, for example, uh, molecules. You know, you put several atoms together, you get a molecule, try to, to do mm. the same experiments. And so they've reached, I, I, I forgot the exact number, but like kind of dozens of atoms are still quantum. Uh, and uh, going beyond that is 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 a, is a work in progress. Uh, but it's it's a, one of the big open questions of quantum physics is where does it does this quantum world end? Oh, so they're trying to approach it from both sides. I see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe time for just one more application, or are those really the main two: the randomness and the quantum cryptography that you're working on? Yeah, so these are the two main applications uh, we, we're working on. One, maybe uh, uh, another more general application is that uh, basically if you work at the quantum level, you are at the ultimate level of sensitivity because you, know, you work with elementary quantum objects, objects that cannot be split further. And so in general, there are applications in the sensing world. Uh, whenever it gives you the ultimate sensitivity. And so, for example, we also work in the field of building uh, sensors uh, that can detect light at the single photon level uh, and uh, in order to reach this ultimate sensitivity, which is useful mostly in, in, in scientific applications uh, so that you can, uh, yeah, you can get this ultimate sensitivity, whether in biology, physics, or you know, other uh, fields of, of application. Oh, so at some point, or maybe now, um, you'll be able to detect light, even like one photon of light, you're saying? One photon at a time, or? At a time, right, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's something we're already able to do. 
so we, we are able to generate and to detect photons one, one at a time. Um, and it has applications already uh, in, in, in the scientific and industrial world, in the sensing world. So what's, what's your roadmap for 2017? What, what are you guys working on? What do you hope to accomplish you know, throughout this year sometime? Yeah, so, so um, um, the goal is, is uh, to, to uh, you know, uh, develop more applications, get more, uh, uh, more deployments of this technology. Because we, with quantum cryptography, we are at a point where uh, uh, the, 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 there is a really a better understanding of the risk. We've discussed the, the, the impact of quantum computing on, uh, on the security of traditional cryptography. And uh, for a long time, we, we had to explain really this, this risk and challenge. And uh, now we see that uh, people understand much better that there is a challenge, there, there is a risk. And so we don't need to explain that so much anymore. We can discuss about, discuss solutions. And uh, I think what, what really changed uh, in, in, this, uh, in the market is, is two things. First of all, quantum computing is becoming very concrete because uh, you know, all the big IT companies have a quantum computing program. You can think of Google, IBM, Microsoft. They, they all work in quantum computing, which means that it's not a scientific problem anymore. It's an engineering problem. And so it's going to be built. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And then uh, the uh, national security agencies in, in various countries, uh, including the U.S., but not only, now understand the risk and have come out with statements that we need to use quantum-safe cryptographic techniques. Uh, and that, of course, gives a lot of, uh, in increases a bit the urgency of, uh, of when we need to, of, of, uh, of using quantum-safe uh, techniques. I've heard the term uh, quantum-resistant systems. What does that mean? Yeah, so it's the same as quantum-safe. It's basically anything that is not vulnerable to an attack by a quantum computer. And uh, so you, you, quantum cryptography is, is one quantum-resistant technique uh, or quantum-safe technique. And what uh, other people are trying to do is to build quantum-resistant algorithms, so to use mathematical codes, but based on problems for which there's no known attack uh, using a quantum computer. And um, that's, a, that's an interesting approach in principle because uh, basically it's, it's a way to solve the problem using software. And, you know, software is always easier and, uh, to, to use and deploy. The only challenge is that we don't really know how secure this is going to be because uh, it's not because there's no quantum computing attack today that there will not be one tomorrow or one year from now. And there's been an example actually where people thought that something, some algorithm was quantum safe and actually looking at much deep, a little bit deeper in the, in the problem, new attacks were, were identified and uh, uh, people had to back away from, from using them. Hmm. Um, I guess last question or two. What's possible right now and what do you think is still fantasy for the next couple of years at least in the quantum world? Um, so, so yeah, so I'd say in terms of quantum communication, what's possible is to do communication across, um, you know, uh, optical fiber links, but, you know, uh, up to this distance that I mentioned, a few hundred kilometers, uh, without a repeater. Uh, and 
I think the, 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 the holy grail of people working in the field of quantum communication is to build these quantum repeaters, because then you could build a worldwide network uh, of, of quantum communications, which means you could establish um, uh, quantum uh, keys across any distance. And this is really uh, the, the, the key goal of, uh, in the field. And uh, it's going to take a bit of time, but at the same time, there's a, a lot of research uh, trying to solve this problem. And, and I think it'll, it'll be possible eventually to, to do this. Oh, very good. Um, what's the best way for people, listeners, uh, to learn more about IG Quantique? You know, to uh, maybe start interacting with you. Um, yeah, probably uh, have a look at our website where we have uh, quite a bit of information: www.idquantique.com, and just send us an email, and we'll be happy to provide more information and answer any questions uh, they might have. Okay, well, very good. Gregoire, thanks so much for your time. And uh, you, know, you really made it very simple for the layperson to understand, which is rare in this world. So thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. 